The Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, Episode 10. Welcome back to the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast. I'm Jim Gaston, your host. In the last episode, we reviewed the book Pacific Pathways by Stanton Delaplane, written in 1963. This book describes visitors and locals experiencing Polynesian paralysis both in Hawaii and Bora Bora in the South Pacific. This is the first example of an author describing Polynesian paralysis outside of Hawaii. Today, we return back to Hawaii and take a look at an article that appeared in Time Magazine in 1966. This is the Time Magazine, Volume 88, Number 25, with a date of Friday, December 16, 1966. However, before we get to that article, let me address another question that people have about Polynesian paralysis, specifically Polynesian paralysis pills. Do they cause Polynesian paralysis? The answer is no. Polynesian paralysis pills are just candy pills that can be used as a reminder to take time each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Polynesian paralysis pills do not contain any medicines, drugs, pharmaceuticals, not even any CBD products or herbs or vitamins. They do contain a little sugar, very little, but enough to add a sweet taste to enjoy as you allow them to slowly dissolve in your mouth. Enjoy one pill at a time and avoid swallowing these pills. It won't hurt if you do, but take time to slow down, relax, as you enjoy life and experience Polynesian paralysis. Polynesian paralysis pills are a great souvenir of your trip to Hawaii or a unique gift for your friends on the mainland. For more information about Polynesian paralysis pills, please visit our website at rxaloha.com. Okay, let's get back to the December 16, 1966 issue of Time magazine. There's a diagonal banner across the top left corner with the words, Books by the Billion, because Benef Cerf is on the cover of this issue. Cerf was a writer, publisher, and co-founder of Random House Publishing in 1927. The name Random House came about because, according to Cerf, at first they selected general trade books at random to publish. The logo for the Random House Publishing is a small sketch of a house drawn by a friend of Cerf's. In 1966, when this issue of Time magazine was published, Random House published their first unabridged dictionary and, like the banner on the cover implies, had published over a billion books. Besides a successful publisher, Benef Cerf was a regular celebrity guest on the TV show What's My Line? where the celebrity panel asked questions to try to determine the contestant's occupation or line of work. He appeared on the CBS weekly game show for 16 years until the show ended in 1967. Surf was also known as Bennett Snurf on the Sesame Street parody called What's My Part? As far as we know, Bennett Surf did not experience Polynesian paralysis, or if he did, it does not appear in this issue of Time magazine. The article we want to look at today that does mention Polynesian paralysis is in the travel section entitled On to the Outer Islands. Let me read to you the first paragraph of this article, which gives an excellent description of the effects of Polynesian paralysis. Sometime after he arrives in Hawaii, a sweet lassitude creeps over the Malihini, or newcomer. 
It may come as he sweeps back the curtains of his air-conditioned hotel room to survey a velvety emerald view of rice fields, crew-cut golfing greens, jagged peaks with their heads in the clouds, or the azure ocean. It may come as he sits, sipping a Mai Tai, made with assorted rums, lime, sugar, and pineapple, served by a statuesque, dark-haired Wahini, or Hawaiian woman, in a billowing muumuu with the blood-red anthurium in her hair. It may come even later, as he wanders along a ginger-golden beach. Somehow, everything in Hawaii seems to be soft and warm. The air, the ocean, the sand, the music, and the people. Let the spell take the visitor too firmly, and his ambitions waver. His memory clouds. That, in Hawaii, is a pleasant affliction known as Polynesian paralysis. The article goes on to describe the growth of tourism in Hawaii since 1959, when Hawaii became the 50th state of the U.S. In 1960, there were just under 300,000 visitors to Hawaii. By 1966, the number had grown to over 800,000, and the following year, more than a million. In 1961, almost two-thirds of the visitors to Hawaii saw only Honolulu or one of the many resorts on the island of Oahu. By 1966, when this article was written, almost two-thirds of the visitors to Hawaii went to at least one of the outer or neighbor islands. This article was written to encourage visitors to venture out to the outer islands. The article notes that the weather is great on all the islands, there are places on every island where the average temperature is 75 degrees Fahrenheit or 24 degrees Celsius year-round. Of course, it can be hot at the beach in the sun and cooler in the forest on the mountains. And a few locations in Hawaii get lots of rain. But overall, thanks to the trade winds and the Pacific Ocean, the climate in Hawaii is ideal. One reason to visit the outer islands is the spectacular scenery. The oldest and most fertile island, Kauai, is known for its plant life, including frangipani, Norfolk pine, and the umbrella-shaped monkeypod trees. This island is also known for its many fertile valleys and waterfalls. The article describes the largest and youngest island of Hawaii to the south, also called the Big Island, with the arid, cactus-sprinkled, steeply sloping uplands, rainforest, anthurium and macadamia groves, bizarre moonscapes of lava rock topped with snow-capped peaks of Mauna Kea and the still-active Mauna Loa. On a side note, just this week while I'm recording this episode, Mauna Loa Volcano woke up after almost 40 years and began pouring lava down the slopes. All the Hawaiian islands were created by ancient volcanoes rising up from the floor of the Pacific millions of years ago. However, only the Big Island of Hawaii still has active volcanoes. Okay, back to the Time Magazine article from 1966. We move over to the middle-aged island of Maui, which is dominated by the rugged crater of the dormant Haleakala volcano. Haleakala means House of the Sun in Hawaiian. Haleakala makes up more than 75% of the island of Maui. There's an observatory at the top near the rim of the crater at over 10,000 feet, and you can walk down into the crater, which is like spending a day on the moon, except, of course, there's some animals and unique plant life inside the crater. It's a beautiful and wonderful place to visit.
The article notes that Maui is also known as the Valley Isle, rich with mangoes, papayas, and passion fruit, and home to many fine resorts near the Kaanapali area. The town of Lahaina on Maui was the capital of Hawaii in the days of King Kamehameha III, who ruled Hawaii from 1833 to 1854. Later, Lahaina would become a happy-go-lucky port of call for whaling fleets. In the winter months, you can see humpback whales frolic and convert with their calves as close to 150 feet from shore. This is still true today. At the end of the article, it states that the real thrill of Hawaii is to leave civilization altogether. Find a hidden beach or scenic mountain trail or vista away from the crowds and just enjoy the natural beauty of the islands. Take time to slow down and enjoy life. There's a great quote at the end of the article from a visitor to Hawaii in 1966 who spent some time at a secluded beach with her kids. She said, I had forgotten and my children had never known what it's like to discover a new place, unwatched and unnoticed. And finally, the article ends with a little trivia. It asks, which are the southernmost, northernmost, westernmost, and easternmost states in the United States? The answer, Hawaii, Alaska, Alaska, and Alaska. Hawaii is the most southern state. It's not Key West, Florida, which is the southernmost point in the continental U.S. And Alaska is the most northern state, the most western state, and because one of the islands in Alaska sits just west of the 180th meridian, therefore, it's technically in the eastern hemisphere, and this makes Alaska the most eastern state in the U.S. In the next episode of the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, we look at the book Marijuana by Dr. Edward R. Bloomquist, published in 1968. Until then, please take a few minutes each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Enjoy Polynesian Paralysis.